welcome to Inside Motorsport. This week we've got Braun Beasley reporting on the latest results for his team and for the third round of the Toyota Race Series. Braun Beasley reporting in from Tarpo, the owner and manager of the M-Tech Motorsport, competing in the Toyota Race Series. Braun, having a pleasant day, I hear. It's actually quite pleasant seeing you looking at the, at the lake of Tarpo, you're having a coffee with a couple of the the guys and girls for the team. It's actually quite a pleasant morning here. All right, wonderful to hear. So, at the weekend, you were at Hampton Downs. Not only uh, the three normal races, but the pickup race from uh, where you competed at Teratonga. Um, so, the weekend for you and uh, the MTech team. How how did it go? Look, it's, um, last it was quite a, it was quite a positive weekend. We had a couple of front row starts. Led into a couple of corners qualified in the top four or five, um, but really didn't put it all together. We got taken out a second in one race. We Akasudo uh, while leading a race, thrown a bit wide and, and um, touched wheels for someone and took a wing off his thing. So our pace is really good, but we just haven't quite put it all together. So we're actually really close, but just sometimes you feel like you're getting that way. Right, okay. Um, and uh, young Jackson, um, obviously uh, at 16 years old, uh, very young and very uh, new to it all, but he's showing himself well. Yeah, I have to say he was um, very impressive. We um, we didn't have any expectations for him. It's easy to learn and take it on board and learn what he can to go back and do whatever he does next for the rest of this year. But he was really impressive. You know, at one point there, he topped up the second on the timesheets in one practice session. And so for the whole weekend, he was in the top. You know, in the top ten, to the point where he was uh, positioned himself to be on the front row for, for one of the races. Okay, now you've been to Tarpo a few times. Uh, what what is it about that track that, uh, that offers the challenge for your young drivers? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's quite a good track. It's a bit it's quite short. It's very similar to Brand Thatch in a way. There's a turn one that drops away and, and it goes around the corner. It's a lot of off cambers and really strange. Um, Corners so they drop away or they lift up on themselves, and it's got a quite, quite tight hairpin that's cambered and drops onto a straight. So it's actually undulating uh, and very good. It's easy for kids to make mistakes and lock wheels and do things. So um, challenging, but I think it's quite a great track. Yeah, I, I remember being there in the days of A1GP, and it's incredibly picturesque. Uh, talking with some of the European teams uh, then competing, they felt they're in Austria because of the pine trees and the little mountains around. It, it's a wonderful location, isn't it? Yeah, look, and it's, what, it's quite clever that they've got all these apartments on, on, the, on the straight where people can, can stay and live and overlook the track. It's, um, it's quite a good little thing and so close to Bukikali, so you've got a major city centre not far away, so it's actually it's a great place to go racing. It's tired, they've got their base there, so their workshops and everything are all there, so if, um, if we turn spare shape, we've got access to stuff to fix it too. Oh, wonderful. Now, um, Marcus Armstrong is uh, quite strongly leading the point score. He had another couple of wins. Uh, Liam Lawson did, but then had a DNF or two. Um, notable for the weekend because of the, the Russian, uh, Artem Petrov, had his first win for the year, or first win ever. Um, anything else standing out amongst the uh, the pack? Look, I think they had good weekends, you know, Marcus doing a fantastic job. He did everything he needs to do last weekend. Liam, you know, he had the speed but made a few mistakes. He got involved in a few incidents and ultimately paid the price for being out. So that's, I mean, that's just maturity because I suppose he's young and he's trying to figure out his home crowd and his family. 
it was a weekend where some of the other people got a chance down on the podium, so it was good. You know, we were pretty close. Hopefully next, next weekend at Tabo, and we can come away with a trophy. So there'll be, uh, as there was last weekend, four races, four point scoring races, um, and uh, obviously you'll have a chance to uh, cement some uh, positions in the top ten in qualifying and, and hopefully pull off some uh, race results. Yeah, look, for us it's, um, it's a little bit frustrating because I know we're actually quite competitive and we're, we're close, but we're just going to pull in the place. So, you know, if we can actually get a couple of cars to qualify on the top five, uh, that means we can race and um, we've got four hour away this time. It hasn't happened so far. All right, well, we'll sign off from Bruin Beasley as he prepares for round four of the 2019 Toyota Racing Series. Uh, enjoy your time, and I hope you have good success, Bruin. Thanks for your, uh, joining us this uh, morning. Thanks, Tony. It's great to be here, and hopefully uh, we'll soon might get you to come across and look at the Grand Prix. It'd be a great idea. Wonderful to talk and catch up soon. Thanks, mate. Fascinating series, which uh, is being dominated this year by New Zealanders. Looking at the top six in the point score, we have Marcus Armstrong, who's in lining up for his third crack at the championship. He's come close in the past, but this time, after three rounds, he leads by 203 points. Next place man is another New Zealander, Liam Lawson, a young gun who's been showing plenty of pace, had a few mistakes at the weekend. He's on 169 points. Then South African, now living in England, Raul Hyman is on 141 Fellow New Zealander Brendan Leach is on 125, American Cameron Das on 123, and Artem Petrov, who won at the weekend, a Russian who sits on 119 points, had his first win, and certainly looks a likely one to finish in the top six in the championship. We're here having a cup of coffee with Thomas Randall, fresh back from uh, England and getting ready for a new season of the development series, but want to talk to him now just about the Toyota Series. So welcome back and let's remiss on uh, your time in New Zealand. Thanks, Tony. That sounds like a good plan. All right. Now, one of the things that's uh, interesting talking to Bruin Beasley, of course, who's the only Australian owner of a team in New Zealand, Bruin actually said to me when talking about past seasons that no one knows in Australia what a great job that Thomas did in driving in 2017 to win the series. The only Australian to win the series... Tell us something about the prefix to that. How you got about to go and drive in New Zealand? Well, first I've got to thank Bruin for those kind words. Um, yeah, so it started in at the end of 2014 after I won the Australian Formula 4 Championship. We spoke with Trevor Schumach, who actually owned E-Tech Motorsport, which is now M-Tech, Bruin's yep. team. Uh, so I we leased uh, an old TRS chassis off him to, to do a couple laps at Eastern Creek and it was a massive difference from Formula Ford, you know, wings and slicks race car, a uh, carbon fibre monocoque. Um, so I did the, did the championship in 2015 and that was when Lance Stroll won the series and that was a massive eye-opener, you know, going from a tyre, a groove tyre, no aero to a full wings and slicks car with a field of 20 drivers and 80% of the drivers were from Europe. Um, you know, it was a massive, massive game changer. Um, so I finished that series, got a, a couple podiums, um, a lap record actually at Taupo, and finished tenth in the championship. And we always wanted to go back for for a second shot to try and aim for the title. But uh, 2016, we couldn't do that because we uh, 
we'd committed to doing British F3 and it just wasn't in our budget. Yep. Um, I actually went over in 2016 and did just the New Zealand Grand Prix um, with Victory Racing. That would be in Manfield? Manfield, that's correct, yeah. So everyone already had four rounds preparation and I just rocked up and did the Grand Prix and finished fifth. So we were hoping to get on the podium, but yeah, just, just fell shy. Um, and then, yeah, 2017, that was when we, Dad and I both said, right, let's have a crack at going for the title. And um, at that time, I'd signed to do British LMP3. Um, and the guy I was driving with, he helped me bit financially to do the championship as well, which was really good. Um, and yeah, we managed to get a budget together. And I did that championship with Victory R again. And that was really tough. I mean, we had three uh, Formula One junior drivers I was up against. Uh, and a few drivers who'd previously done a series as well. So it was always going to be tough, and it ended up coming down to the final race between myself, Pedro Piquet, and Richard Vashaw. And whatever the order was, across the line was going to be the order of the championship. So, um, and like Bruin said, people in Australia don't, actually, don't really realise how intense the championship is. You know, you five weekends in a row, five different tracks. Um, you're on the circuit from Thursday onwards. And you just got to keep pushing, you know, that it, there's no time to rest. Was the final year that year also at Manfield? Yeah, yeah, it, okay. it, it has been for probably the last 10 or so years. They like to finish there and they've got the New Zealand Grand Prix, the only FIA certified Grand Prix. Outside Macau. Yeah, outside Macau and Bo. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty big and I would have loved to win the Grand Prix, but I, I finished third. But at, at that time, my mental space was look, third is still enough to win the championship. Um, so, yeah, but it is an intense series. And, you know, I think we do over 5,000 or 4,000 kilometres worth of driving. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly a great way to prepare you for the rest of the year. And to have that on my belt as to winning the cha- uh, championship is certainly a nice thing to have. You felt tuned up from it. I mean, you know, it's a silly thing to ask a driver who's successful in the category to say, oh, did you like the car? Well, obviously you like <laughs> yeah. the car because you won with it and things like that. But... I mean, you're obviously at home in the car. Yeah, and I think that's where doing it in 2015 helped because it was just like coming back into an old shoe, um, same car and all the same tracks. In fact, in the same order too. It was, you know, uh, Christchurch, Rilpuna, Teratonga, which is a fantastic circuit for those cars, Hampton Downs, Taupo, and then ending at Manfield. So, um, yeah, I think it really helped me for the rest of the year, even though... What I did for the rest of the year probably wasn't enough driving. I started in the LMP3 series and then that sort of died away. I, I had a falling out with the guy I was driving with and then finished doing the second half of the Formula Renault Euro Cup Championship. Yeah. Um, but it certainly has helped other drivers. I mean, the previous alumni is huge. I mean, Lando Norris won it the year before myself and now he's in Formula 1 with McLaren. Lance Stroll, 2015 championship winner. Formula One now with Force India, but was with Williams. So I think, uh, yeah, I'm not saying I'm going to be in Formula One next no, year, no, no, no. but um, yeah, it certainly shows that the drivers who are winning um, can end up in, in good spots. Yeah, indeed. Um, one of the things is that your career, you've, you've had a couple of dips into Europe, um, and I, I've often thought about young drivers. When they get that chance, and you know there are obviously a few in the supercar ranks, you know Will Davison, etc., James Courtney, um, that you can become case hardened in Europe. It's something about racing over there that you just learn to do it because it's what you're doing. Your focus is on doing it, and, and nothing else. But 
do you feel that that made such a big impact on you? I think the biggest impact was probably having to fend for myself. I mean, I, I was away from my, my family, which was the biggest thing. I'd been racing go-karts and Formula Ford with my dad. And when I won the TRS championship, my dad was actually my number one mechanic. So going and living over there, not with my parents, and yeah, having to make all pretty much all my decisions on my own, that certainly toughened me up. It was probably more mentally... Um, that made the difference, you know, coming back to Australia and being able to make those decisions here on my own as well. Um, but being able to drive a range of different cars on a different tyre, it certainly has made me more versatile with trying to learn the Dunlop series car and the Dunlop tyre. So, you know, you don't really get that second shot at being able to drive on Spa-Francorchamps as well either. And yeah. being able to be on those Formula One graded circuits is pretty spectacular. Yeah. Now, I mean, while you're not Garth Sander or Shane Van Gisbergen, and you're still fairly tall, what height are you? Uh, 183 centimetres. Okay. Yeah, you're, so. you're getting up there. Yeah, getting up there, yeah. Uh, which is not a, a typical open wheel driver you know, sort of build. Um, did you early on sort of realise that, that you weren't going to be sort of Formula 1, Formula 2, these are not categories where you're going to aim for sort of thing? Or? Mm, I think originally we, we thought that, you know, the higher up, the category, the more power it is, so the less important it is. But you look at Formula One, the, the guys are tiny and weigh nothing. And Jockeys. Yeah, and it's they're still 700, 800 plus horsepower. Um, yeah. So and that's what really made it hard in the single seaters, the junior categories. Yeah. TRS, I was overweight. Uh, British F3, I was overweight. Formula Renault, I was overweight. So, yeah, I mean, coming to supercars, finally, I'm not overweight and we've got you're, a lot of ballast in the car. You're right size. Exactly. Yeah. So... I mean, as much as I, I miss the open wheels, I really enjoy driving in the supercar. Um, but yeah, the weight certainly was a factor. So, yeah. All right, now we will actually talk about uh, Rob Wilson. You've just come back and you're one of a stream of uh, supercar drivers who've been through. You, This was arranged through Cam Waters, I understand? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, now he's gone over, he's had his third time with Rob Wilson. Rob, of course, is an ex-Rolt uh, driver uh, from the 1970s or 80s um, and has been doing driver tuition for many years and Formula One drivers are on his list of contacts. Tell us about going over there and doing it. It's not about actually driving a competitive car, is it? No, exactly. I I didn't really know what to expect. I'd heard different things from Cam and from Jack LeBrock because he's also used him. I didn't really believe him at first because the way they described how he does what he does, I, I thought there's no way that this guy can train people like this, but in fact it is. I went over there and um, got there, we got there about 9.30 in the morning and for the first two and a half hours, he just wanted to know about me and we had three cups of teas and I was, in my head I was thinking, when are we gonna, when are we gonna get this underway? And uh, he said, right, come on, let's go. I'll just have my cigarette first and you know, he's well, a- A cigarette. A cigarette, he's a passive smoker. Um, so he'd already had about 10, <laughs> but- uh, we get out there, so it's all done at Bruntingthorpe Proving Ground, uh, which is just about 30 minutes south of Leicester. And uh, we go out, and I said to him, so what, what car are we using? He said, oh, we're just going to use this Vauxhall Astra. I said, oh, okay. Well, what tyres have we got on it? Oh, there's, I think there's a Bridgestone on the front left, the Continental <laughs> on the front right, and I'm not even sure what's on the back. I said, oh, okay, cool. You know, I have no idea what tyre pressures we're on. Um, so, yeah, we went out there, and you don't really know what to expect from him, and, you know, he's... You know, he'd been in his, in his 60s and he's a passive smoker. 
and he gets behind the wheel and makes you look terrible. So, um, yeah, definitely these methods uh, are something that you can definitely learn from. Um, the way that he describes weight transfer and the rate at which you move your body, how that affects the car. Um, it, it's things you really neglect, which are the, actually the important things. The things that you knew, but that you've... Sort of overlooked. Yeah. Um, and the fact of you know trying to have a flat car as much as you can in terms of getting the weight out of the car as quick as possible you know, to, to shorten the corner. And the reason he likes to use the, the rental car or the, the Vauxhall is because in, in that car, that's where you can really feel the weight transfer and the tyre scrub. Um, and at the end of the day, it shows in the lap times. And it's not necessarily about braking later or getting on the throttle earlier. It's the way, yeah, the way in which you move your body and how that affects the car. Now, you've arrived back, and, and the day after you were back, you had to jump into a Bentley and down to Phillip Island. So it's a big open track with a big open car. Um, so tell us, were you able to see immediately the impact that he had had on you in driving that car? In ways, yes. I think I probably am still getting used to it. Like I feel like two days probably wasn't enough. So I would love to go back there again. Uh, but over time, I just need to get it through my brain. And I think on the second day of training with him, everything sort of started to click more. Yes. But I just need to need more days to put that uh, theory into practice. Did you make notes or did he give you any, any notes to take away? He's, he's very old-fashioned. It's, it's more just you, you, he talks and you listen. Yep. Um, so there's no real... You don't, you don't go in with a notepad. It's not like a classroom-based sort of thing. But... It, the notes that you take really are in your head when you're driving the car right. and how you can feel the, the difference in the way you drive. Um, but, I mean, I think we were, we were pretty competitive on the Monday. Not that we were looking for that, but, um, you know, I think when I drive the supercar next, that's where I'm really going to yes, put yeah, it into where practice. Yes, you can put, yes, first-hand into something you've been driving. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, his methods are, I think, are fantastic, and it shows. He's been doing this for over 30 years. You know, he started off doing it at Goodwood, but it just became too busy, and the way that he wanted to train his drivers wasn't and wasn't going to work at Goodwood, so he brought it to Brundingthorpe, and he's been there ever since. Okay, now, um, as I mentioned to you earlier, that uh, the first Australian driver I knew had been through Rob Wilson was Paul Dumbrell, which would have been back in the late 90s. He uh, was driving for Larry, and uh, he'd had a couple of crashes and I think Larry had suggested and through Ron Toronak who was involved with uh, Rob Wilson many years off Paul went um, I've never really spoken to Paul about it but there are a large number of drivers in the supercar paddock who've been there aren't they? That's correct, yeah, I mean the week before I went Shane Van Gisbergen had gone there uh, and as I said uh, well actually I might not have said I picked up Cam during that week Cam Waters, that is, and yeah. he spent two days with him. And then I know he's got Jack LeBrock this week, and I'm sure there's a few other drivers that go and see him as well. So yeah. um, he's he's certainly popular. Um, yeah, he's certainly popular, and uh, he likes it when he has the Aussies and the Kiwis come over. He, he really enjoys having the, okay. the that contingent Connection. come over. Yeah, exactly, yeah. because. He's a fellow Kiwi. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Okay, um, just let's, before we leave the TRS series, um, immensely competitive, a lot of kilometres in a very short space of time. 
um, it's obviously had an impact in, you know, in terms of you know being a name on a, on a list of drivers there. Um, blokes have gone on to much uh, bigger things, um, but it had a real impact on you doing that series, as in terms of you as a driver. Well, at first, I mean, I, I still sort of pinch myself over over getting the title, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, it shouldn't change the person you are. You know, I mean, a lot of people, when things like that happen, their ego can go right out the window, but each year things adapt you know just because I've won the championship in 17 doesn't mean I can sit back you know I've just, you just got to keep pushing forward it's like winning the supercars title in 2013 or whatever and you're still racing in, in 2019 you've got to work harder than ever yeah. because the, the competition just keeps getting better you, you keep learning so well, from since I met you only in December of last year I know you're well grounded I know yeah. that you know what motorsport's about yeah and I don't think for one second that you having to have some concerns about uh, your ego and getting away from you. One of the interesting things, I've always felt that motorsport is much closer to the service in New Zealand. Everyone knows somebody involved in the sport. Not so in Australia. Yeah. Um, I know you've been around motorsport your entire life through your father and, and other connections, but it, it's that thing in New Zealand, it's just that different. So, you know, it's, it's almost like it's the third sport after rugby and cricket. Mm. It's kind of like England, very similar to England. Yeah. England is very motorsport based. That was one thing that surprised me when I went over there. Nearly everyone knows of Formula One or you know, just the general public. Yeah. And, and I went to the Autosport show when I first got to England last week and it was just packed. And there was thousands of people and I don't think you'd, we'd get quite that reception here. But we are also, in terms of motor racing, very tin top based. You know, open wheels has never really been a thing, apart from Formula Ford, it's kicked off. Wings and Slicks here never really has taken off the ground. So I find it interesting how in England and Europe, you know, that's that's what they love, whereas Tin Tops over there is not as big. Hmm. Well, they are with me. I mean, I actually, yes. I have an open wheeler. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's unusual specifications because it is... Um, it's Chinese made, which is different. It's, it's got an aero kit on it, you know, sort of thing. Um, it's a three-cylinder diesel, and some people call it a tractor, but it is an open wheeler. <laughs> so when are you going to take it out? Single-seat open wheeler. Yeah, yeah. When are you going to take it out next? Yeah, <laughs> I think I'll stick to the dirt. Yeah, that's yeah, probably yeah. not a bad idea. But uh, thank you, uh, Thomas Randall, because uh, it's been wonderful talking to you about TRS and your success there, and what's coming up for the new year ahead. So, mm. no worries. You for thank you for having me, Tony. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media for the Community Radio Network.